Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church coming to you the 6th of February as we are set to celebrate the Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord, which is the last Sunday really of the time of Christmas, the time of the church year that covers Advent, Christmas, as well as Epiphany comes to an end this Sunday as we celebrate the Epiphany of Epiphanies before Jesus gets to the cross of the Feast of the Transfiguration, which means that next week we begin descending down the mountain of the Transfiguration. And as we go down the side of the mountain, we will celebrate the next three Sundays, the Sundays of pre-Lent, the Sundays that prepare us for the Lenten season. And so we'll be looking forward to celebrating that with you next week. But today, again, is the Feast of the Transfiguration, where we'll hear of the eyewitness testimony to the Transfiguration from St. Peter in his second epistle in the first chapter, as well as the story of the Transfiguration in the Gospel according to Matthew, the 17th chapter. There will be no divine service catechesis today. We'll pick that up again next week. But for now, we turn to our matin service to celebrate this feast with the hymn, O Wondrous Type, O Vision Fair.
Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. Christ hath appeared unto us. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. Christ hath appeared unto us. O come, let us worship him.
Your lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Your lightnings lighten the world. The earth trembled and shook. The Old Testament lesson for this Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord is written in the 34th chapter of Exodus, beginning at the 29th verse. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, with the two tablets of the covenant in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, Moses didn't know that the skin of his face shone by reason of his speaking with God. When Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them all the commandments that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses was done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spoke to the children of Israel that which he was commanded. The children of Israel saw Moses' face, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Epistle is written in the first chapter of the second epistle of St. Peter, beginning at the sixteenth verse. Brothers, for we didn't follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We heard this voice come out of heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. We have the more sure word of prophecy, and you do well that you heed it, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of private interpretation. For no prophecy ever came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke, being moved by the Holy Spirit. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool.
Alleluia! Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his praise from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. Alleluia! The Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord! After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John his brother, and brought them up into a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as the light. Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you want, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were very afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, Get up and don't be afraid. Lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Don't tell anyone what you saw until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Here ends the Gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today marks the end of the time of Christmas in our church year. The time of Christmas includes Advent, that season of preparation, Christmas, that season of celebrating our Lord being with us, and Epiphany, that season which we end today as well, which proclaims that the child in the manger is the beloved Son of God, revealing to us in the flesh and blood God's divine sympathy, divine mercy, his love for his enemies, his power acting in love for all sinners. Today we celebrate a feast which is unique to the Lutheran calendars. The feast which ends the time of Christmas and the season of Epiphany. The feast of the Transfiguration. The Epiphany of Epiphanies. Where we hear again the words of the Father, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. After today, we begin to follow our Lord in descending from this mountaintop of Christmas. Because that's what the three Sundays of pre-Lent will be. They are the going down, the descending from the mountaintop of Christmas and climbing down that mountainside until we reach the valley down below, which is the somber penitential season of Lent. On Ash Wednesday, we'll have finished that pre-Lenten journey. We'll finish descending the mountain as we reach the valley and begin our journey there. So then today is our Lord's last epiphany, so to speak, his last revelation or manifestation of the divine in the flesh before we start descending the mountain. 
And what is it that he wants us to know before we begin prepping for Lent and Easter next week? What is it our Lord is telling us before we reach the penitential season? And this is what Peter sets out to teach us in the epistle, as he tells us about his witnessing the transfiguration of our Lord, which is in our gospel today. Because of the transfiguration, there were only three eyewitnesses on that mountain. Peter, who tells about it today, James, who was the first apostle to be martyred, and John, who writes about it elsewhere. So when Peter speaks about the transfiguration, he talks about being an eyewitness And of being an eyewitness on what he teaches, he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths. Now, it's important to understand what Peter is saying here, because he's doing more than simply defending his eyewitness account is true. He's making a statement. Consider, the church herself has been around for over 2,000 years, and the church of Israel, from which our church comes from, was around for thousands of years before that. Over the time of the Old Testament and New Testament churches, the church has witnessed the might and religions of the Canaanites. Think of all the empires that the church has lived through and beyond. The Hittite, the ancient Egyptian empire, the Assyrian, the Babylonian, the Persian, the great Greek empire, the Roman empire, the Ottoman empire, and so many more. As the church went through each time period, as the church lived through each empire, it saw each each empire bring with it its own set of beliefs, its own religions, its own gods, myths. And those myths of those other religions, those stories, well, they still exist today. You can read them. You can read. If you go to a bookstore or Amazon, you can find the creation stories of the ancients, the stories of Gilgamesh, or the dramas of the Greek and Roman gods, and so on. They're still there. That's not to mention all the pagan stories from the Normans and from Europe. Even today, secular and non-religious as the world claims to be, there are religions, gods, and myths. Science itself is a great tool. But the worship of science, well, that's developed its own mythos as well, including its own creation story. Many today still believe in a god, but really they believe in a soft god who simply wants them to be happy, but otherwise takes no interest in anyone's lives. Even the empire of the internet comes with its own religion. If you notice what it's doing, it's trying to divide your mind, your consciousness, from your flesh and blood reality. It's trying to create a new reality for you in a metaverse. So all the religions, all the myths are still there today. Yet here's the thing with all these stories and man-made mythos. There are no eyewitnesses to them. There was no eyewitness of a Big Bang just like there was no eyewitness to Zeus coming down incarnate as an animal, or of Narcissus falling in love with his own image in the pond. There was no eyewitness to the chariots leading the sun god up into the sky, just as there is no evidence that God just wants people to be happy in who they are. There's no witness to that. 
It only comes from man's thoughts, speculations, and feelings. This is what Peter is saying. All of those cleverly devised myths are derived from the fallible and limited wisdom, imagination, and speculation of man. They come from the heart of man, from the pride of man who thinks mankind has evolved to the point of no longer having need of God. Such myths put mankind up on a pedestal. It makes mankind blind to sin. And there are preachers of these myths. And what they're preaching really is nothing divine, but only their own thoughts, only what comes out of their own dark hearts. For that is what Peter says. Such myths are merely the thoughts of men, the fallible, limited thoughts of men. So then, says Peter, here is the first thing you need to know before we begin preparing for Lent. In the world, there are two religions, and there are only two religions. There is the religion from the thoughts of men, and there is the religion from God revealed to these eyewitnesses. These are the only two religions on which you may base and live your life, on which you may have hope for eternal life. You may put your trust of life and eternity in the thoughts of men, or you may put your God-given faith in the revelations of God. Those are the only two religions there are. That's what Peter is declaring. And he goes on. He says, For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. As Peter tells us there are only two religions in the world, he also forces us to ask, What are the merits upon which these two religions rest and are founded? As we've seen, the religion of men rests upon the thoughts, speculation, pride, and dark hearts of men. The religion of man says that fallible, sinful men can find the truth. But the Christian religion is completely different. For the teachings of the apostles, on which our church stands, which was given to them from our Lord, these teachings are not things that these apostles thought up themselves, but these are things which they witnessed happen in time and space. Look at the gospel accounts and see what Peter means. Peter himself denied our Lord three times, and our Lord once called him Satan. James and John once asked Jesus to sit in the places of honor in the kingdom. They weren't being pious. They were being selfish. They wanted honor and power for themselves. These three eyewitnesses, the scriptures themselves say, were far from perfect. They don't, the scriptures don't portray them as perfect. Their own eyewitness accounts, they don't portray themselves as perfect. But the scriptures portray these three men as sinful. But what they witnessed of Christ was his power and his advent, his coming. They were witnesses to his majesty, so that everything in the Gospels, everything on which our faith rests, come from eyewitness accounts of what actually happened. 
the birth narratives were the narratives that Mary witnessed and told to Luke. The baptism of our Lord, John the Baptist speaks of. He witnessed it. The miracles and teachings were witnessed by all the twelve and passed down to us. The transfiguration was witnessed by these three and told to us. And most importantly, the death and humiliation of the cross witnessed by John and the mother of our Lord. And the resurrection and the glory and the, and the ascension of our Lord was witnessed by the apostles. And they gave that to us. They gave their eyewitness testimony to us of what actually happened. So then the Christian faith, our eternal life and salvation, rests not in the speculation and, and thoughts of men who are so prideful to think that they can find truth that is well transcending them. But our Christian faith rests in the revelation of God to man, of the truth revealing himself to us, to what the Son of God did in the flesh in time and space before the eyes and ears of the apostles, the eyewitnesses, who tell us what happened. As we go into Lent, Peter is telling us there are two places where we can put our trust, either in the religions of the world that come from the thoughts of man, resting in the limited in the limited speculation, dark heart, and sinfulness of man, or there's the religion of Christ from the revelation of God, the truth finding us, resting on the eyewitness accounts of that truth that happened in history. What their eyes had seen and their ears had heard, what actually happened on the holy mountain of Christmas to the holy mountain of Calvary is what we're given from these eyewitnesses. And Peter goes on. He says, And we, that he means the New Testament church, have the prophetic word, that is the Old Testament word, more fully confirmed. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will or desire of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here, before our Lenten journey, it's as if Peter, here with these words, is handing you a Bible and telling you, don't journey in the valley of Lent without this. Because what we have now in the scriptures is even more sure and certain than what the Old Testament church had. Now, don't get me wrong here. It's not that what the Old Testament church had in their scriptures was false. It's not that the Old Testament scriptures were from the minds of men in any way. Far from that. In fact, Peter says it's far from that. Peter shows us here that the prophets of the Old Testament, just like the apostles after them, wrote everything as God as spoken from God, as brought to them by the Holy Spirit who worked through them to produce the word. So then every word of the Old Testament, like the New Testament, is of divine utterance. But you see, at the time of the Old Testament when it was written, it was a word of hope. It was a word of waiting. It was a word of expectation, longing to be fulfilled. And so Peter is saying the New Testament word is more sure and certain because it is the Old Testament word fulfilled. Fulfilled in what they had seen and heard and been eyewitnesses to in the flesh and blood of Christ. Just as we've seen since Christmas. 
the birth of Christ, the circumcision of Christ, the death of the holy innocents, the fleeing of Christ and to Egypt and his return from Egypt, God calling him back from Egypt. They were all fulfillments of the Old Testament word. The baptism of our Lord, the miracles of changing water into wine, of all the healings, of loving his enemies, of calming the storm, of today the transfiguration, they were all fulfillments of the Old Testament word. The suffering, punishment, humiliation, and death of the cross, the resurrection in power and glory, of which today the transfiguration is a taste of. All of it fulfilled the Old Testament word. The cross where the suffering servant fulfilled for you all righteousness, taking your sins and giving you all his righteousness. He was fulfilling the Old Testament word. Fulfilling the Old Testament word. Where on the cross you are now forgiven in that fulfilled word. And in that fulfilled word is the resurrection where you have hope. Because of the cross and the resurrection, the Old Testament word is fulfilled and, as Peter says, confirmed. So then the New Testament word is sure and certain. None of this is from the minds of men. How could it be? All of it is spoken from God, given by the Holy Spirit, and grounded in the flesh and blood of Christ, which suffered and rose for you, just as the apostles witnessed. And so Peter tells you today, as he hands you the Bible, Peter tells you, this is the true religion from God, not the false religion of man. This is the true religion from God in the flesh and blood of Christ, which we witnessed. The flesh and blood of Christ, which makes the word of God in us sure and certain, which is here in the Bible, which we give to you. Take it with you on your Lenten journey and pay attention to it. Notice that's what Peter says. He goes on to say, we have the prophetic word, the Old and New Testament is what he's talking about. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. And this is worth repeating. Hear again what Peter is saying about the Holy Scriptures. He says, with the Holy Scriptures, you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. The message of, transfigure, of the transfiguration from Peter is this. As we head into Lent, know that the focus of this somber penitential season is not on a fun 40-day challenge to see whether you can give something up. And it's not even necessarily on your sin either. Yes, Lent is a time of renewal in reflecting on our sin, on, on going to confession, on putting to death the sinful man and sinful habits so that the new man and holy habits of praying, almsgiving, and fasting may arrive. But again, that's still not the focus of Lent. The focus of Lent 
is the same focus which Christ has on the Mount of Transfiguration. The focus is the cross and the empty tomb. The focus is on Christ's humiliation and his glory. The focus is on his death and resurrection. The focus of Lent is on what God has been revealing to us in his Son this entire Christmas and Epiphany seasons. The focus is on his love and grace revealed in the flesh and blood of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins for our salvation. Our focus during Lent is on the lamp of Christ crucified shining in this dark, sinful world, of the glory of our Lord shining on the new day as the darkness remains dead in the tomb. In the prophetic word fulfilled and made sure by Christ crucified, this light is brought to you and dawns in the darkness of your heart. In baptism is where the lamp of the cross dawned in your heart, where when you rose from the waters, so did the morning star of the gospel arise in your heart. For there in the waters, the old sinful man was buried and continues to be buried. And the new man arises, continues to arise in Christ. In the darkness and somberness of Lent, there the light of Christ shines. You'll see this throughout Lent. That is why throughout Lent we fast from food. Our ears will at one point throughout the Lenten season fast from the Gloria and Alleluia's and even from the organ itself. Our eyes will fast as we cover up all the images and strip the altar. All of this happens so that the only focus of those of us in our sin will be the light shining on the cross and dawning in our hearts. So then, what is the last message that Christ gives us on this last day, this last Sunday of the time of Christmas in the Transfiguration? What is the message before we enter Lent and everything in here turns to purple or black? From the Transfiguration, Peter tells us, in a world where so many are so ashamed of Christ, turn away from those religions of men, those religions which come and go. Turn instead to the sure word of Scripture to which Peter witnessed, which Christ crucified fulfilled. This Lent, Repent, cling to the word, build your faith on the word, pay attention to the word in church and at the table at home, so the light of the cross may remain in the darkness of your hearts, so that your hearts may then shine with the light of the morning star in fasting and almsgiving and prayer. In short, this Lent as we journey, take your Bibles with you, cling to the word, so the cross may remain our focus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, who in the glorious transfiguration of your only begotten Son, you have confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of the fathers. You, who in the voice that came from the bright cloud, did in a wonderful manner foreshow the adoption of sons, mercifully vouchsafe to make us co-heirs with the King of His glory, and bring us to the enjoyment of the same. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, 
from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for the Christ the King podcast this week. We look forward to joining you next week as well. Now, next week, the podcast will come out either the Monday or Tuesday after we celebrate Septuagesima Sunday. And that's because Pastor Glenn Bomer will be filling in for me next week. And I'll be producing the podcast shortly after that Sunday. So please join us. Look for the podcast either Monday or Tuesday next week. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for the podcast or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.